Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. I'm not your Lord, I'm your brother, right? You're not my servant, Daddy says. You're my son. I welcome my son back to my house, the prodigal son. Let what you have be your own. I've got enough. I don't care about things and materialism and stuff anymore. It's funny when we're young, when we're immature, when we're carnal, we fight over money and inheritance and things, and I want it, and this is mine. (laughs) You ever go through those battles? And then we grow up, and we're mature, and we're blessed, and we're like, Oh, I don't need your gift. You, you take it back. And the things that we fought over when we grew up as Christians, we realized that was so carnal and so petty to fight over things and stuff and money and inheritance. And now the things that they fought over when they were young, they realize they're not that important anymore. Verse 10, Jacob said, No, please, if now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand, for I see your face as one sees the face of God. And you have received me favorably. You see, in the culture, in the society, if somebody receives your gift, they receive you. If they receive your peace offering, then they declare, I will make peace. And so in Jacob's mind, it's absolutely essential that his brother receive the whole extravagant gift of what 580 animals was it and uh, about $500,000 in livestock. No, you must receive it all because if you receive my gift, you're obligated to forgive me, to accept me, to welcome me back as family. Have you ever had someone reject your gift? They tore up the card. They sent the package back. They didn't even open it. See, that's a statement, right? We want them to open the gift. Receive my gift and me. Please, I insist. And I see you like I see the face of God. Didn't Jacob just see the face of God the night before? He's struggling with Jesus and he sees him face to face, and he struggles, and he cries, and and he begs, please bless me. And afterwards, he names the place the face of God because I've seen God face to face, and now he has a respect and, and an awe and a reverence toward his brother that he cheated and connived and mistreated. Right now, everything's different. After encountering Jesus, now I treat my friends and family and even my enemies so differently. It is a peace treaty that must be accepted. 
verse 11. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you, because God has dealt generously with me, and because I have plenty. Now we can fight for the blessings and the wages and the rewards and the bonuses of men, but what's more important is to get the pay and the, the blessings of God. And you see conniving and fighting, what did he really get? He left with just a stick, right? His little shepherd's stick when he ran for his life. But now he's come back with all the blessings of God, and he is so rich, he's so blessed, he's so full, he's got a huge family, he's got more than he could ever want, and he's so rich that he can give such an extravagant gift to his brother. And I believe the gift is so valuable around $500,000 because it's not just a gift. It's an entire inheritance. Brother, I'm paying you back because I robbed from you. I fought for the inheritance. I, I broke your heart. I made you cry. I stole your birthright. I stole daddy's blessing. And so I'm paying you back. And I am giving you an entire inheritance of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Your own animal farm, if you will. Maybe even more than daddy would have left you. I give you more. You see, it's not just a gift. It's a restitution. It's a payback. It's making things right. Thus he urged him, and he took it. It was so important that the peace offering be accepted. The 12 recovery steps, do you know them? Steps 8 and 9 explain about making things right, paying restitution, showing you're sorry. Can I read steps 8 and 9? Make a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. What the 12 steps pronounces from scripture, they, they get the 12 steps from the Bible, you know, they call it the big book. The 12 steps tell us, make it right. Okay? You stabbed me, you robbed me, you smashed my car, you did these horrible, you burned down my house, and now I waltz back and I say, I'm sorry. <laughs> now you have to forgive me, right? Well, I thought the Bible talked about restitution. You stole from me, pay me back. You smashed my car, buy me another one. You burned down my house, fix it, right? We pay back, we make restitution, we make it right. Sometimes we don't want to, and we need the courts and the judge to make us make it right, right? You stole from me, pay me back. <laughs> Fix it. 
And sometimes we don't want to do that. Do you see this? Do you see what Jacob is doing? I'm paying you back even more. Was it the little short guy Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, and you ripped off all your own people, the Jews, siding with Romans. You were a chief tax collector, right? And when Zacchaeus gets saved, comes climbs down the sycamore tree. He's like all excited. Oh, Jesus is coming to my house. And he's like, Jesus, I'm going to make things right. And everybody that I'm ripped off, I'm going to pay them even more. And some, like four times more, I'm going to make restitution. I'm going to pay back. I'm going to show them that I'm sorry. You see it. Jacob is paying his brother back. Sometimes men cheat our pay, pay us low, cut our hours, I don't know, do us wrong. But when you're a believer, when you're faithful to the Lord, he can still bless you in spite of men. I have experienced it. I've had times where I should be getting paid more. Why is this happening? Why did the bank cheat me? You know, banks got a lot of money. <laughs> Why did my employer cut my pay, you know. But God makes up for it if you're faithful, if you seek him, if you work under the Lord. He will pay you. He will bless you. He will give you even more. And this is what I see. All these men trying to cheat Jacob, but God blesses him in spite of them and makes him even richer. I've experienced it myself. Establish your home. Verse 12. Then Esau said, Let us take our journey and go, and I will go before you. But he said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the flocks and herds which are nursing are a care to me. And if they are driven hard one day, all the flocks will die. Brother, I can't keep up with you. You and your army go back home and we'll catch up later. 14. Please let my Lord pass on before his servant, and I will proceed at my leisure according to the pace of the cattle that are before me and according to the pace of the children until I come to my Lord at Seir. He persuades his brother, please go ahead. I'll catch up to you. I'll come visit you at your home, right, Seir. 15, Esau said, please let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. Let me leave some of my soldiers, <laughs> my fighting men. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. Jacob does not go to Seir. I think he feels, I've made it right. I'm not going back home. I'm not moving in with my family. <laughs> I love my family, 
but I don't want to live with them. <laughs> Have you been there? And he's like, I got huge herds, and I got my own kids, and my wives, and my own problems, and I'm going to live with my brother, and all his drama, and so we made up. But I'm not moving back in. He doesn't ever go to see her. His brother is back in his life, and he will see his brother again, especially at the funeral of daddy. Isaac will die, and these two brothers will come together, and in unity they will bury their dad. I think they've buried the hatchet. I think there is peace. There's forgiveness. But sometimes we need our space, yes? I need some elbow room. I don't want to go back home. <laughs> now, too, in forgiveness, there's forgiveness where you let it go and you forgive that person. But there's also a deeper step to reconcile with that person. Now, I believe forgiveness only takes one person. You forgive them. Oh, but they did me dirty and when I was a child. And, oh, you don't know the horror and the nightmares and all that. I can never forgive them. You can, with the help of Christ, he'll forgive you and he'll help you to forgive them. So forgiveness is a one-way street. But reconciliation is different. That's a two-way street. We need two people back and forth. I want to forgive and I want to reconcile with you. I want you back in my life. I want to have fellowship and relationship with you. And I've seen it. I've seen it with kids. I've been with kids that wanted to reconcile with their parents that abandoned them, dumped them, left them, gave them up. And I would pray with them and I'd say, well, let's send a card. Let's make a phone call. Oh, I don't know if you show up on their front doorstep, will they receive you? Sometimes it goes good, and sometimes it goes bad. Sometimes we can reconcile with a friend, a family member, an acquaintance, and sometimes they will not reconcile with you. And you must just put it in the hands of God. Verse 17, Jacob journeyed to Succoth, he didn't go to Seir, <laughs> and built for himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore the place is named Succoth, which means booths, temporary shelters, as he starts to move into the land, the promised land. Verse 18, now... Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, of course, the promised land. When he came from Padam Aram and camped before the city. Cities can be dangerous. I'm a city boy. Born in Chicago, grew up in LA, lived in Fort Worth. They've been a part of some big cities. Cities can be dangerous. The big city. And they're kind of like a bunch of country bumpkins, right? Jacob and his family, and they've moved to the big city. And I fear for Jacob's daughter. We will find out next time
She wants to make friends with the city girls. She wants to meet the city boys. But it doesn't go good for Dinah. The city is a dangerous place, and there are evil people in this city. I love the movie The Village. You must see The Village. It was a bunch of people that were from the big city with all its sins and vices and evils and crimes. And they all fled from the big cities and they formed their little community called The Village. A beautiful place of peace and, and joy and love and God and prayer. And it was like going back in time the sweetness and the innocence. But the bad news is sin is everywhere, even in the village. You must see it. <sighs> Beware of the big city. I was in Paris, so excited. The sun went down, I went to my hotel. But this young kid from the States, he was out bar hopping all night and they found him in the river dead poor young boy in a strange place in a big city acting like a party animal beware of the big cities verse 19 he bought the piece of land where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of hamor shechem's father for 100 pieces of money, 100 pieces of silver, verse 20. Then he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. In other words, interpreted, it's like God's house. This is, I, I am God's servant. I am God's and he is mine, the God of Israel. So he builds a little chapel, if you will, a place of worship, an altar of prayer in giving God glory. When I've traveled through the south and I've pastored in the southern states, you see the little tiny country churches that dot the lands. And you see all the little farms. And it, everywhere you turn, these little white, old, beat-up, wooden country chapels with their little crosses on them. Because when the farmers came, when the founding farmers and fathers and settlers came, they brought God with them. <laughs> and they brought their Bibles. And they built their little churches. And maybe it's a little tiny country community but they'd still build a house of the Lord, an altar, a place of prayer. Uh, Jesus was with them. And these churches still stand today. I've pastored some of them. And I'll tell you about those little country churches. You can threaten them. You could burn their church to the ground. You could battle these Christians. And they just don't give up. They keep coming back. They'll rebuild. They'll battle you back. They'll stand for the Lord. And they are a powerful force to be reckoned with and they are a powerful force 
throughout the little country towns of America, and I think they've made the United States a very great place with their prayer and their worship and their dedication to the Lord. And so I encourage you, as you move, find a church home, plug in, have a church that is your home with you and God, and you have a personal relationship with Christ. It's essential. And one of the first things Jacob does as he builds his home and establishes his residency, he builds a place for God to be in his life and in his family. <sighs> what does it all mean? What are we to do with these scriptures? You need to move on to go further, to go farther with Christ. Don't retreat. Go head on. Don't run away in fear. You must march through. Oh, but those people in that past and the memories and the fears and the horror, you got to push through it. Jesus will get you through. You'll break through that wall. You must go forward with Christ. I was thinking of a scripture, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I go forward, I go onward, I go upward, I push through. Stop running away. You can't hide under the bed anymore. You can't lock yourself in the closet. You can't, you know, say, stop the world, I want to get off, you know. No, you have to experience Christ and his power. Maybe you got to wrestle with him. Maybe you got to be all alone with Jesus the night before so that you will have the power and the strength and the fortitude and the inspiration to face your past, to break through, to move beyond, to close that chapter and move to the next one. It is one day at a time. I was thinking of the old hymn, Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one I'm waiting for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Christ will get you through one more trial one more person, one more day. Hold on to Jesus, and like Jacob, don't let go. I can't let go. I need you to bless me, right? Hold on to Christ, because he is the source of all our blessings. Face your past. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, may we wrestle with you like Jacob did. May we hold on to you with all of our heart.
May we see you face to face and be alone with you and push everything and everyone out. May we hear your voice. May we get our new name and our new identity from you. And may we allow you even to wound us and give us a limp so we can always remember you. We need you, Christ. We want you to go before us, be around us, be in us, be upon us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and give us strength as we face the past, as we face enemies, as we face trials and difficulties. May we have victory through you. May we win over our enemies with love and grace and forgiveness. Help us to put the peace offerings together and may they be accepted knowing that you're with us. You'll guide us. You'll get us through. For we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.